It's a Monday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you back again for another week. And, well, folks, kicking up poolside here in Miami, Florida. Currently 18 degrees Celsius. Going up. Oh, hold on a second, Jonesy. <laughs> That's where we should be. That's where we should be right now getting set for the heat tonight as the Raptors are on the road for their third straight following a victory on Saturday night over the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, 19 degrees currently Celsius in Miami. Only a high of 22 today. I'm sure a lot of people down in Florida just freezing right now and and pissed off about the weather. This is not typical weather. Where is my sunshine? As I, I'm going to post this picture for you. As I look out my window, about two feet to my right, and I cannot see out my window. No joke. I cannot see out my window. The snow is piled so high on, on, my, on the roof above my garage, combined with the snow that has been blown against the window and stuck to it, combined with poor ceiling on my windows and frost inside, frost outside. I cannot see outside my window. Snowmageddon has officially hit us. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. And uh, we've been dipping and diving all winter really haven't had terrible snows and then boom goes the dynamite as the old uh, as the old as the old phrase would go boom goes the dynamite so um well what when is when is groundhog day when do we find out how much winter's left all i'm thinking yeah, a about couple is, weeks right yeah all i'm thinking about is i hope there's not too much damage to the greens on golf courses that's all <laughs> hey, everything in your life, at least, relates back to golf in some way, shape, or form. There's no so, denying that. So, E, uh, I, I know uh, when we first started our show this year, we had Eric Thomas on uh, after the debacle that was F1 and the the whining and complaining by. And, all, yes, all you Max Verstappen fans, send your emails to Paul Jones. It's okay. Uh, by um, Christian Horner and, and the... Uh, the Red Bull crew, and Verstappen ends up winning the champi- uh, driver championship. I thought Lewis Hamilton was very, very uh, classy with it all. So I'm, I've, you guys know on the group chat, I have had a deep dive into the F1 series on Netflix. I am, I am binging it. It's kind of like when everybody, when Seinfeld went off the air, and like eight years later, I started, I found the show and started to watch it. And you know, you, I know you killing me with pop culture, but. I'm watching this F1 series and it's fascinating. And then my son tells me that Netflix has been commissioned to do the same type of series for the PGA Tour. I mean, on every tournament this year. So they're gonna have like cameras there, behind the scenes look. As a kid would, kids would say, you're gonna get some of the tea on who likes who and who said what. And, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that too, so. Um, you know, it's it's snow day. Get your Netflix on. Well, if I'm not mistaken, too, I just I, I, I heard I thought I read something the other day that there's going to be one for I, I believe I got to double check this now. I guess I should have thought about this before I opened my mouth. I know it's on the women's tour on the WTA. I don't know if it's for the men as well, but I know there's some sort of tennis type show slash documentary uh, that that's already begun filming. Uh, right now for the 2022 season. So um, I think it was just the WTA, but I'm not positive of that. And listen, I, I don't know, maybe the, maybe the bosses will be slightly annoyed at this, but we've seen something like that for years now. Are we, are we at a decade now or longer 
for Open Gym. Like I oh, know it airs on the, on the on the three letter, but it used yeah. to air on NBA TV and it airs on YouTube. And quite honestly, it just so happens that it airs over on the other station. It could easily be airing on Sportsnet as well. It's it's just one of those things. And those guys. Oh, say that again, Lance. Oh, it is the men and the women. Yeah, I knew it was yeah. Netflix, and I knew it was the women, but it is men and women for tennis. So that, there you go. Thanks, that's, Lance. That's the best. Like, to me, that kind of You're talking open room, gym or just that type of access? You mean That type of access, but open gym. See, open gym, to me, was born out of a show called The Association that the yes. NBA did. And, like, that inside, the inside look and the cameras being in locker rooms and on buses and, I mean, those are things that, those are things that people ask you and I about. And sometimes, you know, being on the plane or the bus, you you see something, but you don't see something. You know, you and people will ask us, you know, years ago, people would ask us stuff about an injured player. And we'd say, oh, I don't know. We're, we're not sure. We, you know, didn't see him. Meanwhile, the guy's limping through the hotel lobby or something and says, we see him. It's like, uh, don't say anything. You're, yeah, that's the fastest way to get yourself kicked off the plane. It's not my job to report that. We call the games. That's it. So... But that kind of in, inside access is is tremendous, and I'm really enjoying, um, I'm really enjoying the the F1 show. I look forward to the PGA show. Uh, Open Gym is terrific. You and I interview for the show and are on the show regularly. I just, uh, I I love that kind of access. I, I watch the I watch Open Gym and I, and we're, and I'm with the team. Like you and I, we watch that show and and we're with the team. And there are other people. Yeah, around there's the stuff end. I see that I didn't know about. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, there are there are other people around the NBA. I remember when the Raptors played Indiana in the first playoff series they won, uh, sitting down with a couple of other journalists and watching an episode of Open Gym. They were talking, asking me about stories. I said, hey, hotel room, let's sit down and watch this. And they started watching, and they turned, and they went, they let you do this? I said, what do you mean they? They don't let me do it. We've got a crew that follows the team. He said, in in you know in said franchise, like it wasn't necessarily Indiana. They were covering the Indiana series. He said, there's no way the president or the team would allow this. There's just no way. And I just think they do. It started with with Jeff Landicho, but it, they, Open Gym just does a terrific job of telling the stories. And that's why I like this this F1 thing. I, I am even more of a Lewis Hamilton fan now. Uh, I really like Daniel Ricardo. Like, there's all these little ins and outs that you start to learn the characters and the people. Uh, I, I, you know, Haas racing. Uh, Gunther's like he's a he's a dragon man. He's that guy is he's a taskmaster. But you, you and all of a sudden in the season that I'm where I am now, uh, Canadian uh, Stoll is is has taken over um, uh, Force India. So now I'm I'm just catching up on everything, and it's terrific. And and people you know, will <laughs> slide me for being behind Eric, but I get it. It's okay. No, but this this is uh, Jonesy. I say this with love, man. This is what and I I tell me I'm wrong with this. Tell me I'm wrong with this generalization. This statement I'm about to make. The best thing about you, though, is you might be behind, but when you finally cave in and watch something, you throw yourself into it. Like the way you're describing this F1 show now is the way that you described. Curb your enthusiasm to me when yes. you finally came around five years later, or when yeah. I finally got you on to Breaking Bad, or when you started watching Power and actually told me about Power, but you're like all 100% in on Power. So, like, when you finally decide to watch something from this century, you go all in 
and you just invest yourself completely. So I, I respect that about you. And by the way, just quickly, Lance buzzed in my ear. And shout out to Lance Kennedy. Like many of you, I'm sure, hopefully, just as a quick little side note, if you're on the roads, like this will apply whether you're listening now live or later on the podcast because apparently there are blizzard warnings and this is supposed to go on most of the day. So if you're on the road and you're listening to us, two hands on the wheel, pay attention, don't be a stupid driver, take it slow, take it easy, get there one piece, like our man Lance who had a 30-minute drive turned into a two-plus-hour drive today, getting stuck on the DVP. Shout-out to Lance, who's manning from the mothership at the Fan 590 Studios while we are in our respective home offices. So shout-out to Lance, who buzzed in my ear and said, the same production company that did or does the F1 series on Netflix is the same one that's doing uh, the tennis one for the men's and women's that will air on Netflix as well. So that it gotta, should be, based on that, outstanding. Gotta love it. And, and E, I'm, I, I, that's how I am, man. When I'm in, I'm all in, man. Ten toes on the ground, both feet. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm good to go. So might take me a while, but... If I'm with you, I'm with you. That's 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 how it goes. So, um, well, let's let's see what the Raptors can do if they're if they're going to be uh, uh, rejuvenated in the in the warm weather of Miami. Playing Miami with no Lowry tonight does that take the the sizzle off it for you, E? Uh, I mean, a, a little bit, a little bit, but. Um, and listen, we can probably draw the, the segue. I guess you already made the segue by bringing up the game and starting to talk about it. But I was going to say, the, the, you know, whether it be the interviews, the open gym, the documentaries, the coverage in general, would have been obviously a heck of a lot more interesting for tonight's game if Kyle Lowry was playing. First time seeing Lowry uh, in the opposing team uniform against the Heat, and he's not playing tonight for personal reasons. Uh, you know, hey, I don't know what that means, and I guess I'm not supposed to because it's personal. So it's not COVID protocols. It's not an injury. It's personal reasons that he is out tonight. And I guess now a lot of attention focuses on the game that was supposed to be February 3rd, but it's actually now February 1st in Toronto. And A, whether there will be fans in the stands, certainly doesn't seem that way. And B, it's the second night of a back-to-back for the Heat, so might Lowry and or others opt to not suit up for that game? And might Lowry even make the decision, Jonesy, as much as he's a competitor in general, does Kyle have that sort of uh, showman in him where he even says... Maybe I'll take this, you know, if I'm going to have a day or two of rest coming anyways for personal reasons, for, you know, injury management, whatever it is, do I take that Toronto one off and opt to play my first game back in Toronto in April when hopefully, fingers crossed, we actually do have fans back in the stands at that point in the season into the late year and maybe, dare I say, maybe rolling into a postseason berth for the Raptors as well. What do you think Kyle might do? Do you think he, you know, knowing his personality, do you think he cares? Like, or do you think like, I shouldn't say? Do you think he cares? He cares, but do you think it will phase him, or will he say, "Nope, I'm a professional, empty building, full building. If the, if I'm available and I'm ready to go, I'm playing February first. Uh, that's that's the part of Kyle that uh, that I think is dominant, but the other the other side, and it is a back to back. There is injury management and, and load management to consider. The other side of it might say, you know what? We'll wait until April. Uh, as much as I want to play, we'll wait until the competitor wants to play. We'll wait until April until there's a full building. Maybe he feels he wants to do that for the fans of Toronto on his return. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a tough call. I can't, I wouldn't blame him either way. I mean, Eric, you look at a guy like Danny Green. 
that's what they, that's what they say that the the Raptors are cursed until Danny Green gets his championship ring. We're going on, we're going. It's, it's been two and a half years, right? Like ring night was October twenty second of twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Here we are, January of twenty twenty two, and Danny Green still doesn't have his ring. So. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those. Maybe he'll wait. I mean, Danny Green's had no choice but to wait. But uh, maybe Kyle waits. I don't know. I I, I don't I don't uh, I don't question his decision either way. No, listen, I, I I don't I don't question it either. I'm just uh, hypothesizing, wondering what might ultimately happen. And it's going to be uh you know it's going to be strange to not see him out there tonight in the heat uniform but that said you asked me if if you know if it takes a little bit of the luster off it does to some extent yeah but at the same time this is the third seed in the east this is a team that you might ultimately have to face in the postseason if you get in this is a team that you're obviously you know you want to beat because you're trying to stock up as many wins as you can right now considering how tight things continue to be in the playoff picture the raptors right now entering action tonight after that brutal brutal loss on friday night thank goodness they came back with an incredible win on Saturday night, the Raptors now sitting at 21 and 19. They're three back of the sixth seed as the Cavs have gotten hot again and have won four in a row, the hottest team in the Eastern Conference. We're saying that for the second or third time now this season. I, you know, I, I fully admit I was dead wrong about the Cavs. I expected them to drop at some point. Part of me still expects them to drop, but they continue to prove me wrong. Sitting in that sixth seed at 26 and 18, three games ahead of the Raptors. Toronto, though, only a half game behind Charlotte for seventh, but only a half game ahead of New York in tenth, and only one game ahead of the Celtics in eleventh. So it is rammed. I mean rammed, certainly between seven and eleven, and there is only four games we could even say four and a half games if you want to jump all the way up to the number four seed only four and a half games separate the bucks in fourth from the celtics in 11th that's bonkers yeah um the nba got what they wanted right with the uh i mean they would have had the race for eight be just as uh compelling right now because there's you know between seven and ten as you said there's you know, there's one game and there's four teams in there, uh, seven and eleven for that matter. There's there's a game and a half and five teams, but with the play-in, it extends it a little bit further. So now, uh, you know, as you look at the line, it's not the line is not at eight. The Raptors aren't holding the last playoff spot. The Knicks are, with the play-in tournament, and now now you start looking at the play-in tournament. So you know, the first game would be, if it was done today, it'd be Toronto Charlotte. And then, you know, you win and you're in. If you lose, you have to play the winner of, you know, Washington, New York, or if Boston jumps up there. So I think the NBA really got what they want with um, a compelling race at the bottom of the playoff standings. Uh, The side note to that is, the spinoff to that is, it really prevents tanking. I mean, you look at Atlanta down in 12. They were a team that many expected more of still only halfway through the season, so they might be able to make a run, but they don't have to make a run to 8 from 12. They only have to make a run to 10 Yeah, and get in. And, it, and, and so now you've got teams like Boston and Atlanta not considering tanking. And as, as uh, you know, Jared Greenberg told us, if you're Toronto or Charlotte, you're trying to run down Cleveland to get a secure playoff spot to make sure you get a seven-game series uh, and, and what that does for revenues 
as well, right? Home home gates for playoffs, um, all, all of those things. And that's another spinoff of making the uh, play-in tournament something that is you know, w- widely accepted right now in the NBA. So, again, the Cavaliers sitting in that sixth seed at 26-18. and 18. The Raptors down in the eighth seed, 21-19. Uh, the Heat at 27-16, and 16, the third seed. They're only a game back of the Bulls, who still remain in that number one spot in spite of the fact that they have lost three in a row now. Chicago at 27-14, and 14, right on their heels. The Brooklyn Nets at 27-15, and 15, a half game back of the Bulls. But the Nets get some bad news delivered yesterday as they find out that uh, Kevin Durant will likely be sidelined for four to six weeks, maybe more, maybe less, but about four to six weeks with a knee injury sustained uh, a couple of nights ago. So that certainly delivers quite the blow to the Brooklyn Nets. And I wonder now, Jonesy, if that pushes the Nets uh, a little bit harder, a little bit further in terms of their decision-making or lack thereof regarding Kyrie Irving, home games, road games, paying the fines. We, we laid it out last week on one of our shows, the ridiculously low fines that the Nets uh, would ultimately face I got to assume they're going to start paying those fines and he's going to start playing the games. I don't know that. We can maybe talk to Tim Bontemps about that when he joins us in 10 minutes or so from ESPN. Uh, but you got to assume that if they're going to you know, find a way or they have found a way, they're probably going to do so. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you, even if public opinion is telling you otherwise and, you, and you're facing some backlash, right now if you're going to be without KD for the better part of a month or longer, I can't imagine you don't trying to find a way to get Kyrie in there on a regular basis. Yeah, if if uh, look if you're if you're trying to stay where you are, and and again it just uh, throws another wrench into uh, the developing or or trying to develop the chemistry of a winning team for the Brooklyn Nets. So now you don't have KD, you've got Kyrie on a part-time basis. It just it makes it tough, and it's not even tough for the offense. Like that's that's not the thing. It's it's the defense. It's playing together defensively. That's the thing that uh, that makes it uh, that makes it a real challenge. I mean, offense. You got gifted offensive players. Uh, they can go one on one. They can get their stuff. Uh, if if you have role players that understand their role and how to play on the offensive end, that's not an issue. You space out. You cut. Uh, you set screens. You, you, it's it's like playing pickup. I always believe that. You're playing pickup in the schoolyard. Uh, the scorers will be scorers. Uh, the rebounders will be rebounders. The shooters will be shooters. Guys will find their role and find their spot. But on the defensive end, it's a whole different story. And I think that's something that uh, that the Nets really, really should, you know, kind of have some concern about. Just uh, want to pass along, seeing as we've discussed this on the show, and it's something that certainly could impact Canadians and sports fans and athletes and everybody in general. Uh, just a, a quick diversion from, from sports for 10 seconds. Breaking news from Health Canada that they have approved Pfizer's Paxlovid pill as the first COVID antiviral therapeutic drug in Canada. So take that for what it's worth, folks. Uh, there There is a pill that has been approved now uh, by Health Canada. Jonesy, um, I want to jump back to upsetting the apple cart and and you know trying to work somebody into a lineup and the inconsistencies and the frustrations and the ups and downs of having a guy come in and out and in and out. There's a guy that's in as he's back, and we're all thrilled that he's back. But is it any great coincidence, or is it just one of those things where Clay Thompson returns and the Golden State Warriors have struggled? Like, I mean, listen, they're still incredible. There's no denying. They're still 31 and 12, 
but they're now two and a half back of the Phoenix Suns for that number one spot in the West. The Suns continue to roll as they've won three straight on this road trip. They blew out the Pistons last night, but Golden State now four and six in their last ten. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's three of the last four in the loss column for them. And is this simply just a case of trying to work a guy back in that's been gone for two years and Steve Kerr now trying to find that happy balance, that proper balance, and trying to you know set a new rotation and, and, and all that stuff? Like, I, I don't imagine the struggles continue for Golden State, but you know we, we've been talking all year about the Warriors just steamrolling over everybody, and suddenly Clay comes back and they're looking kind of human all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's what happens when you you reintegrate people or you try something new and it, it always it always kind of dips you know sometimes it gets it gets worse before it gets better and uh it's it, look they'll figure it out they'll figure it out and and a lot of it is a lot of it is um, probably with clay thompson too trying to get back they may be I wouldn't say looking for him but they're they're cognizant of of him on the floor and and things are just different and it's going to take a while, but you know it's what the old adage: sometimes you take a step back and pause before you go flying forward. And maybe this is it. maybe this is part of it for Golden State. I'm sure they'll figure it out, though. I, I really, I mean, they're too good. Um, you know, you've just integrated a guy who was a championship player back into your lineup after a couple of years, and he's he he needs some time as well. Yeah, as I mentioned, it's, it is indeed three of their last four. It's five of their last seven. Uh, if we go back to the flip of the calendar, uh, they started the year with two straight victories over Utah and Miami, but then they lost to the uh, Mavericks and the Pelicans, got a victory over the Cavs, then lost to the Grizzlies and the Bucks before blowing out the Bulls uh, late last week on that Thursday nighter, and then beating, excuse me, losing to Miami last night by 20. Uh, did I say Miami or Minnesota? Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota last night by 20 points they lose to the Timberwolves. We haven't talked a whole lot about them, and I don't know that we necessarily need to, but they've been an interesting team this year as well, just kind of hanging around. They're a game below 500, which in the Eastern Conference would put them in the 12th seed. Crazily enough, in the Western Conference, oh, how we have seen a flip in the fortunes of East versus West. The Minnesota Timberwolves now ahead of, mathematically because of tiebreakers and all that stuff, even though they have the same record, they are ahead of the Los Angeles Lakers, the T-Wolves, sitting in the seventh seed, the Lakers in the eighth seed. And Minnesota's interesting because they forever, forever have, well, they've been a punchline for one, but they've also been, and I know you've talked about it for years, you and I have had conversations, and you continue to bring up, and rightfully so, the number of not just first-round picks, but top five picks, top ten picks, lottery picks that that organization has had and they just can't seem to put it together. They had one year, a couple of years back, with Thibodeau. They made it in, didn't go anywhere, didn't do anything, and then Tibbs is gone, Jimmy Butler's gone, and, well, the T-Wolves have gone back to being the T-Wolves. But they're interesting with that ownership group now and with you know a couple of certainly young pieces, uh, very good young pieces uh, on that team. You wonder if they can finally start turning the corner, but, Jonesy, can they really turn enough of a corner to be an actual contender and not just, well, we're in the playoffs. I mean, maybe right now the organization would be happy to just take the playoffs and that's it, but they still have at least a couple more steps to go before they're a, a legit threat, let alone, dare I say, a championship contender. But you got to make that decision, don't you? Like, are you in or are you out? Because at some point you do have to try to go all in and make a legit run, especially if you've got the talent you do. Are you going to waste it again, or are you going to really try and make a legit run, as I say? 
Well, I, I, I mean, if you're if you're the Timberwolves, you have to be at least happy with where you are now, um, and and in a play-in in a playoff scenario, uh, you got to build from somewhere. You've got to start building from somewhere. So this is this is good for them. And on, on the flip side of that, uh, you know, LeBron James had an issue with didn't he have an issue with the whole play-in? Uh, tournament last year yep. like he could he yep. could barely say the words he could barely get them out like pl- pl- oh God. it's not playoffs lebron it's not and uh the lakers again they're still they're still trying to figure it out but to your original point about um the timberwolves this is good to see for them it's good to see that they they're making some kind of progress it is and uh it's also it's also nice for we we didn't even get a chance to talk to him in person, uh, Chris Finch, the the their new head coach that, you know, was a Raptor assistant for, mm-hmm. well, what fifteen minutes it seemed like, <laughs> and and then took the head coaching job in Minnesota. But um, I, I look if you're the Timberwolves or you're a fan of the Timberwolves or you're you're around that franchise, you have to feel good about the way things are going right now. Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, those are three pretty solid pieces to be trying to build around, and it's a matter of will they be able to build properly, and can they flip some of their other guys into something more significant? Can they actually be a player in the free agent market? Because, listen, as much as we talk about Toronto as a a top-five market and a destination and everything else, there's no denying the struggles that the Raptors have had, had Excuse me, to land the big fish. And the organization has even discussed perhaps the better way to try and land that big fish is via trade, which obviously they did with Kawhi Leonard. And they've attempted to do in other transactions over the years, having more success through trade than through signing, which is why I bring up a team like the Timberwolves. Are you actually going to be a player in free agency or might this be your time right now? Middle of January, trade deadline approaching in the next few weeks and whatnot. And is this your chance to try and slap something down? I don't know if you can make a splash if you're the Timberwolves, unless you're going to give up one of those three guys that I just mentioned, and I don't imagine they want to give up one of those three guys. If you recall, too, there was rumblings about whether Devin Booker might ultimately want to join uh, uh, Russell and 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 Carl Anthony Towns, and I, you know, I think that's uh, that's something that was just more fodder than anything else. Uh, but I wonder, as I say, if this is their window to go do something. And Jones, you bring up the Lakers, you know, LeBron James tweeting out in the last 24 hours or so as well. You know, basically an apology to Laker fans saying, you know, sorry, we'll we'll get this right. Don't worry, we're going to get it back on track. You know, stick with us. Uh, I I think that might be partly in response to the record. It might be partly in response to Magic Johnson of all people saying we deserve better as Laker fans, Laker Nation. This isn't acceptable. The effort, uh, the results that are being put up, but. It is bizarre how things continue to spiral for the Lakers right now. I'm sure we're going to talk to Bontemps about that shortly, but it, like the Lakers continue to be a daily conversation because there's always something with this team right now, and it's baffling how average, I'm not going to say bad, but how average they look right now. They do. Very average. And <laughs> they, they have far from, at least on paper anyway, Eric, they have far from an average lineup with arguably the – he can't do it like he used to, but arguably the greatest player of, of the generation – not arguably, the greatest player of the generation in LeBron James. So they are, they are trying to figure it out, and um, it's not all on the coach. Uh, it, it, players, you know, coach gives strategy, but players got to get on the floor and, and do what's needed 
Uh, they have to do what, uh, you know, is is best. They, they, they have to fit the pieces together. And the Lakers are having a real issue doing that right now. And I'm quietly wondering if 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 LeBron James, I, I, we don't see him slowing down, but is he slowing down compared to LeBron's standards? Like he's been terrific. He has. And he's been carrying this team. But because the other guys haven't been performing, he can't carry them to wins the way he used to. I mean, he's had a he's had an amazing run the last little while. And yet the Lakers are still a game below 500. They're still 5-5 five and five in their last 10 with three straight losses. And he's been playing really well. So it's, it's not necessarily him, but I'm wondering if, are we seeing him slow compared to the superhuman standards that he has set in the past? I, I, don't, I don't think so, but yeah, the record's telling me that this, this isn't working. It's a reflection. The, the record's telling me that this is not working, and we keep talking about them. It's the, the quintessential train wreck that you're watching, and you can't take your eyes off it because you want to know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm watching regularly and checking out regularly as the Lakers sit in the eighth seed in the Western Conference, a game below 500. They're four games below 500 on the road. I mean, they're still going to be a, a, you know, a hot ticket when they go into any city, but maybe they're a hot ticket now because you know your home team's got a better chance of beating them at this point. Uh, we will discuss the Lakers and a whole lot more uh, after the break when we are joined by, by a friend of the show. He's on regularly, and we always love chatting with Tim Bontemps from ESPN. Coming up next on Smith & Jones on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Joining us on the line right now, NBA reporter from ESPN and host of the NBA Stock Report on YouTube as well, Tim Bontemps. Tim, Happy New Year. Great to chat with you again. Likewise, fellas. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're, we're doing all right, as you know, from a guy, you know, quite familiar with uh, the snow belt in western New York and southern Ontario. Uh, I'm, I can't see out my window right now, Timmy. We are getting absolutely <laughs> hammered right now. We, we should be in Miami getting set for the Raptors in heat, but we aren't. And instead we are stuck in, uh, you know, they are calling for a blizzard, potentially up to a foot of snow today. So life is grand, Tim. It's, it's just the best right now. I am I am aware of how those days go. Uh, it is too bad yes. you guys are not down with the squad in Miami for many reasons. Yes, you know, yes, yes. Hey, Timmy, Jonesy was asking me this earlier. I'll, I'll ask you the same thing. Do you think that there's a little bit less luster for the game tonight with the Raptors and Heat, given the fact that Lowry's not playing? Or is this kind of like, hey, it's two teams battling in the East anyways. It's an important game for the Raptors as they try to climb the standings. It's an important game for the Heat as they look up and go, wow, hold on, the Bulls are starting to struggle. The Nets don't have KD now for the next month or so, and maybe there's an opportunity for the Heat to climb a little higher. I would say both things are true. Eric, right? I mean, obviously, it's a big game for those reasons, but it also is a bit of a bummer that Kyle isn't playing. I think any time uh, a matchup like this happens and a guy like that isn't playing, it is a little less than it would be otherwise. So uh, so I would say both things are true. Certainly, the way Toronto's played of late um, and the way, that, uh, the way that the East is breaking at the top with, like you said, not only um, Chicago having a bunch of injuries, but now Kevin Durant is out. Milwaukee stubbed their toe a bit last week. I mean, there's an opportunity for the Heat to make some moves uh, up the conference standings. So, yeah, I, I'd say it, it is an important game, but there is a little bit of a, uh, 
a loss of uh, pizzazz to it with, with Kyle sitting out. Tim, as good as Miami's been, I want to talk about them for a bit. As good as they've been uh, and as good as they look potentially on paper, they've been, they've, been, they've been up and down a little. They've, they've lost some games that have raised my eyebrow. Like, wow, I, I, I would think that they, could, they would win that one or they could win that one. Um, what do you see for them going forward? I mean, they're, like I said, on paper, they're a good team. They have good pieces. They, 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 they play well together. But there are just some nights when it seems like things don't work, and they, they, they do have some puzzling losses. Yeah, I mean, I would say a couple things, Jonesy. One, they're pretty reliant on the three-point shot, right? So if their shots aren't going down from deep, especially from guys like Max Struz and Duncan Robinson, they can look pretty bad in games. Kyle, certainly another guy that when he's playing is bombing from three. And, you know, if they all combine to go three for 30, which they have a couple times this year, then they're, they're going to struggle, right? Um, beyond that, they've also had a bunch of injuries. Jimmy Butler's missed a lot of time. Bam Adebayo's been out for the past six weeks. So, you know, he's yep. supposed to make his return tonight, which will be a huge difference maker for them. Uh, one of the most versatile defensive bigs in the league. Um, you know, Kyle's missed a little bit of time here and there. They've had some health and safety protocol issues. So, I mean, look, they're an older team. I think you're going to expect them to be a little up and down because of that. Um, but I'll tell you this. If they're healthy come the start of the playoffs, I would not want to play Miami. And, and I think they're going to be a really, really tough out if their guys are available because they they are they are deep. They are versatile. They play really hard-nosed defense. And they've got some really tough, competitive guys who've been in a lot of big spots, guys like Jimmy, Kyle, Bam, P.J. Tucker, um, you know, they're, they're going to be a hell of a team come to playoffs if they can have everybody healthy. Now, we'll see if they can. Again, they've got an older team. They've got some guys that typically do wear down a little bit. Um, so chances are they're going to have, you know, less than their whole complement of players available. But if they can manage to have everybody available come mid-April, I would not want to be playing them in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Speaking with Tim Bontemps from ESPN, Tim, listen, I don't expect them to drop off drastically by any means, but how do you think that the Nets handle the next month or so without Durant, and how much of an impact will the decision-making going forward now regarding Kyrie Irving play into things, playing in home games potentially, playing those fines? I've got to assume that they're going to want him for a lot of games now. Let me cut you off there. This whole fine story is nonsense. The, the, okay. When the league sent out when the league sent out its its uh, literature on this back in September, they said very clearly you have to follow local laws, right? So you can't start paying fines to avoid local laws. It's not if the Nets could have paid a five thousand dollar fine to have Kyrie Irving play, I think they would have been paying the fine already, right? So I'm not saying that to you, just that you know that got reported by somebody last week and it sort of become a thing, where it's like. The truth is he can't play at home, or otherwise he would have been all right. So that that's the first part of it. As far as how um, as far as how the Nets are going to do, like I do think the Nets could struggle quite a bit without KD. Um, you know, I mean they they do have a bit of a benefit in that eleven of their next fourteen, I believe, are on the road. So they will get Kyrie in those games, um, and we'll see how they look. I I am not convinced that they're going to look great. Um, James Harden has been very up and down this season, even though his numbers still look pretty good game to game. He does not look very good. Uh, certainly not to the level we're used to seeing him at. Um, so they're going to need him to be a lot better. And they're going to need some of these role players to step up and play better. But the fact is without Kevin Durant and without Joe Harris, a team that was already pretty short on shooting 
is now really short on shooting. And if you tell me that over the next, you know, Kevin Durant misses 20 games, if the Nets go 8-12 and 12 in those 20 games or 10-10, and 10, which is very possible, all of a sudden you could be looking at going, you know, finishing fourth or fifth in the East instead of first or second. And while I know some people think that it will be a good thing for the Nets to have game sevens on the road against these really good teams because then they can have Kyrie Irving playing, I don't think it's a great thing if they finish the season fourth or fifth and have to play, say, in Miami in the first round of the playoffs, right? Like, that's going to be a recipe for failure, I think, ultimately. So, we'll see what happens with them. But I think this is a pretty critical stretch for them without Durant to try to stay above water and try to get one of these higher seeds in the playoffs. If for no other reason, then they can maybe get an easier first-round series because, you know, whoever they've got to play after that is going to be a heck of an opponent. Tim, you know, when you mentioned that and, and playing without Durant, let's face it, the Nets have, the Nets have carried themselves uh, this year through their offense. I mean, they, they, have been, they have been, you know, the second highest scoring team in the East. And without Durant, you're right, I think the offense will struggle. But if, if they plan on having Kyrie Irving in any way, shape, or form for the playoffs – you know, people get get lured by the offense. You've got to be a good defensive team, and and the chemistry defensively is something that really takes time to put together. I'm not so sure they're going to have enough runway to do it, uh, even when Durant gets back. If Kyrie Irving's not in the lineup, yeah, I agree. I think this whole playing Kyrie in road games only thing is insane. I, I can't really believe that they did it in the first place, and I'll be stunned if they can win the championship with this guy playing only in road games. I just, we've never seen anything like this happen before. And I just, uh, to your point, there's so much about basketball that involves chemistry and knowing where people are going to be on the court and playing together and having a guy in half the games, if not in the other half of the games, is such an absurd thing to try to go through that, I mean, to me, I just don't see how it's going to work. Um, and if it does, hats off to them for doing something nobody's ever done. But ultimately, I just think that's going to end up biting them because there's too many really good teams. I mean, I think Milwaukee is better than the Nets in a vacuum if they're both healthy, uh, let alone if Kyrie's playing in half the games, just for one example. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think this is going to cause a lot of problems for them as the season goes on. And it's just hard for me to see them getting where they want to go with this being the current situation. And, you know, as you guys know full well in Toronto, um, you know, the COVID is not going away quite yet. And the idea that New York City with a brand new mayor is going to just change its laws and allow Kyrie Irving to play, I think, is extraordinarily unlikely also. So I think unless he gets the vaccine, I think this is the situation we're looking at until the end of the season. Tim, you just brought up, a, a you know, kind of where I wanted to go with this. And listen, I acknowledge this is more of a crystal ball type thing because, as you said, COVID's not going away, but are we still dealing with, you know, everything next season, a couple of seasons right. from now? You know, nobody knows. You don't, I don't know, whatever, whatever. But how do you think the Nets, as a result, react to this? Or do they react as information comes? And what I'm obviously asking more directly is, what do you do with Kyrie Irving? We're talking about short-term. What about long-term? Like, is it better to try and move him or you keep him? I mean, I think the Nets have shown they're going to do what their stars want to do, and I think it's pretty clear that Kevin Durant wants to play with Kyrie Irving. He just signed a long contract extension, right? So I think if, if Kevin wants him to be on the team, I suspect he's going to be on the team. I, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't have had him come back and play now. 
right? So clearly they're not doing what I would have done. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, as long as that partnership is there, I suspect that if Kyrie wants to be a net, he'll be a net, and that's how it'll go. Um, he and both he and James Harden can be free agents this off season. It's going to be interesting to see how the two of them handle that. Um, but until further notice, I think you have to expect those guys to be in Brooklyn if for no other reason than ever since they arrived, the Nets have done everything they can to cater to their stars, which, you know, I certainly think is a reasonable strategy to take when you've got Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving on your team. Um, and I think until further notice, you have to expect they're going to continue to do that. Uh, uh, yeah, Tim, I, I just wonder, too, we know how ownership thinks, and, and, I, and I, want, I do want to get to the Lakers here in a minute, but I know how ownership thinks, and they're spending all this money. If they don't start to have, uh, you know, dances and, and looks at the, at the trophy and, 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 you know, thinking about making banners to raise, uh, they might they, – management sometimes goes all in until they figure they've gone all in enough, and then – things fall apart. I mean, how many teams do we see that have done that? They get their championship, and then within a few years, they start to cut corners. And I'm just wondering if, if in Brooklyn, if they don't, if management will keep up with it. Because you said those guys are both free agents. They're going to command a pretty penny. And if they don't start seeing results, uh, I, I'm not sure they're going to want to fork out the money all the time. I suspect they will, if for no other reason than Josiah is one of the, the richest people in the world. And I think they've done the deals they've done with the expectation that they're going to be an expensive team for a long time. Um, but you know what? I covered the Nets and Mikhail Prokhorov on the team and he had the most expensive team in NBA history and then the next year was trying to get out of the luxury tax. So it's a very good point and it's easy to say right now that people are going to spend. Uh, it's another thing to see if they actually do. And, you know, it's going to be an interesting few months left of the regular season and playoffs in Brooklyn. It's going to be a very interesting summer for the same reason. Speaking with Tim Bontemps from ESPN. Tim, speaking of interesting, what about the next few weeks uh, approaching the trade deadline? Is there uh, a team or teams uh, that you think might be a little bit more active than others, whether they're in East or West? I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the Celtics, a team that I know you know quite well as well, uh, sitting at 500. What do you think in terms of the activeness or lack thereof around the association with the deadline? I don't have a great sense, Eric, of what it's going to look like because I don't think there's a clear sense of where things are going to go you know, over the next few weeks, right? Because of the play-in tournament, um, there's a lot more teams that think they can make the playoffs than ever before. And because of that, mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a pretty heavy decrease in pure sellers. Like right now, I think the one team that's a pure seller that's on the market is the Blazers. You'd have to assume they're going to move guys like Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic on expiring deals. Um, but you go up and down the rest of the roster of the teams and – there's 25, 26 teams that have a shot to make the playoffs as of today, right? Like, it's hard to see a lot of those teams completely jumping ship and, and selling. So then you're talking about trying to come up with trades between teams that are being competitive, and uh, that requires player-for-player -player trades often, and those are hard to make, you know? So – it's hard to know if it's going to be really active because there's uh, a lot of a lot of teams that are trying to get better to make the playoffs, or if it is going to be slower because um, we're in this you know strange place where the only teams that are out of the playoffs generally don't have any good players, right? Teams like you know like if Shea Gillis Alexander got put on the market, there would be a lot of bidding for his services, but I don't think the Thunder are doing that. He's probably the only guy I really have any interest in trading for. 
Um, you know, maybe a Jeremy Grant gets traded from Houston or from Detroit. Otherwise, they don't really have anybody to be traded for. So I, the short answer is I think we're still trying to get used to the new reality of the playing tournament, plus the current financial state of the league, plus, um, you know, kind of surveying the landscape. So I don't have a good sense of what it's going to look like over the next few weeks. I'm very curious to see personally um, how it shakes out and how active people are. I, I agree, Tim. And t- uh, teams that are trying to make the playoffs are going to think long and hard about some making a trade with somebody else who's trying to make the playoffs. And, yeah, it may, might make us better, but it might make them better too. Um, uh, one of the t- I wonder how active the Lakers are going to be because they just seem to be sputtering and spinning their wheels. And people talk about a trade, but how much flexibility do they have? Like who, who do they have that people want for a price and what can they get back? And are they just bound to be – I mean, we're halfway through the season, Tim. Are they just bound to be a 500 team in the plane and try to catch fire at the end of the season? I mean, you you said it. What kind of flexibility do they have? The answer is not much. Um, they, they basically traded all their chips to get Russell Westbrook, which was a disastrous move in uh, foresight and in hindsight uh, this summer. That was never going to work in playing with LeBron James. I never understood what they were doing. Um, and if you look at their roster – uh, they have five guys who are making more than the minimum. They're three stars, and the, the, even if they want to trade Russell Westbrook, I don't think there's any market for them. Uh, then they have Town Horton Tucker who's making just under $10 million, and Kendrick Nunn who's making five. So in terms of flexibility, they have to make trades. They have to trade one or two of those guys and maybe their first, the one first-round pick they can trade, which is six or seven years from now, um, to potentially add another piece to the roster. Um, that's really all the flexibility they have. Otherwise, they have to try to, you know, put minimums together to try to clear roster spots, which, you know, they've got a lot of guys on minimum contracts that aren't very good. So, yeah, it's a um, it's a tricky situation for the Lakers, one that's, you know, they created by their own doing. Uh, they don't have a very deep roster. They have an old roster. They, um, they're 24th in offense and 20th in defense, and they're just not a very good team right now. And... You know, if you have AD and LeBron healthy come mid-April, nobody's going to be thrilled to play the Lakers in the playoffs, but I don't think the same level of fear factor that they had even last year is going to be there with the amount of holes that team has uh, on its roster. And the other thing is, too, the Lakers have the hardest schedule left of any team by a pretty significant amount. And while the bottom of the West playoff picture is as soft as tissue paper, and they should be able to stay in the play-in no matter what. I don't think this is going to get magically better anytime soon. Like, they've had a lot of easy games that they should have won and haven't. And I think there's going to be a good amount of pain here going forward before they're able to get things right, if, to your point, they're able to get them right at all. Tim, we appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, Stay safe and healthy, and we'll look forward to talking to you and hopefully one of these days actually seeing you as well. All the best, man. I sure hope so, guys. You take care, too, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tim. Thanks very much. There is Tim Bontemps from ESPN, um, kind of multi-platform guy now, host of the NBA Stock Report on YouTube as well. You see him on various ESPN shows and platforms as well. We always appreciate his time. We'll continue talking about the NBA. It is Martin Luther King Day stateside. Uh, as a quick little aside, something we should be recognizing and celebrating in Canada as well. That's perhaps something we can discuss as we kick off next hour as well. 
and uh, a special tribute coming that we play every year on this day as well. Lots to come on Smith & Jones. The phone lines are ringing at the Jonesy household. People want to get on the show. Lots of guests coming up. More to come. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well.